0: The most important thing you could share with me today is your perspective.
1: Because the freedom of perspective fuels the logic we use to defend truth. We never stop fighting for freedom and truth, and that is what makes us Americans.
2: Welcome to Critical Thought with Noah Chalaya.
3: 1510 KNOX 1079 1033 FM. Good morning. It, it's 906, four below. We're work, working our way to a daytime high of six above. My name is Noah Chalaya. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you. Chris Fisher, he is the owner and founder of Jupiter Broadcasting. Learn more at jupiterbroadcasting.com. It's home to the best shows Linux, open source, security, privacy, community development, and news. Also, the host of the Bitcoin Dad Pod. bitcoindadpod.fireside.fm. And I guess this hour on Critical Thought, Chris, welcome in.
4: No, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it. So way back in 2013, August of 2013, 2013 to be exact, a sh- a little show by the name of Plan B came out and, and you did an episode called U.S. versus Bitcoin Revolution. And back at that time, you could buy Bitcoin for $100. So it was a lot more approachable to people like me who wanted to just kind of dip my toes in the sand and kind of see how things worked. Um. But and and at that time, smart people weren't mining on CPUs, but you could still do it. So you could get in and even without putting any money in, you could have some Bitcoin. And we're obviously a long way past that point. Today, it's gotten infinitely more complex and people have heard the words cryptocurrency. They've heard of Bitcoin, but we don't know what it is. Can you start by telling me the 30 second elevator pitch? How would you describe Bitcoin and cryptocurrency to somebody who's maybe never heard
4: of it? Yeah, to a brand new person, I say, think of the ability to take gold and send it over email securely and you can verify they got it and you don't have to go through Gmail. It's gold over email is the first idea. Okay. Then once you wrap your head around the idea that you could send something valuable electronically and somebody can get that, then I try to have people understand it's also scarce. There's 21 million Bitcoin. There's 19 million today. There will only ever be 21 million. Those two ideas are big when combined. Yeah,
3: and offers kind of the same advantages as you drew the parallel to gold. People like it because it's a hedge against inflation. It isn't tied to to any government. And frankly, it's a currency designed from the standpoint that in 2024 we do things online. And frankly, we're impatient human beings and we want things done instantly. So SBF, guy with the curly hair, people have seen him in the news. Tied to some sort of a cryptocurrency scandal, people saw FTX and thought, that is the normal person's way in. See, I just download the app and then I create an account and I click I buy and then it shows up and isn't that great? And then the whole thing came crashing down. Can you can you give me the layman's perspective as to why is that different and why is SPF not representative of the larger cryptocurrency world?
4: I think it's probably representative, unfortunately, of kind of human behavior when you do have a new thing come along, like, like the internet um, or app stores. And then the web, you, you do have people that use it for nefarious purposes, use it for purposes of getting rich for centralizing control. <sighs> that seems to just be like the story of humanity. No, every time we discover a new frontier, those people, they make their moves. Um, and so that was SBF and that, and SBF was trying to create uh, a a centralized exchange It would be like the go-to U.S.-regulated exchange that you could trust. In reality, it was a total house of cards. They were moving money between companies that they didn't really have using customer funds. It was bad. So I would
3: argue as a direct result of that scandal, the Security and Exchange Commission on Wednesday uh, of last week granted approval to spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds or ETF backed by Wall Street. So the idea here is – If you have if anybody has had like an S&P 500, they take the top 500 companies in the United States and they say, okay, we're going to buy a little piece of each one of them, put it all together in a single fund and then you can buy access to that fund and it will track what those 500 companies do. It's a safe investment because if a company is no longer one of the top 500, they just sell that single company off and buy the new whatever the new thing is. That's the top 500. So you're really kind of taking the wager that. The United States, the top 500 companies in America are going to do a good thing. And if that's the wager you're taking, then that's where your money is. That allows people to invest their money across a range of things or that track a thing. My understanding is that's what a spot ETF is. So how do we do that with Bitcoin? If somebody purchases a a Bitcoin ETF, what are they really purchasing?
4: You're purchasing uh, essentially access to the price action of Bitcoin. And then whoever facilitates that ETF, so maybe it's BlackRock or Fidelity, they at the end of the day or the second day, they look at who bought, they look at who sold Bitcoin inside their ETF. And then they go square up on the market and they buy the Bitcoin to match and then they hold it. So you could kind of think of it as like you're outsourcing the holding of Bitcoin to a large institution. So obviously you'd want to trust that institution. Uh, This is very common with gold, too. It's way more common to hold a gold ETF than actual gold in the United States just because of the mechanisms and mechanics of moving gold. Right. And yeah, securing your own Bitcoin, I think, is the way to go overall. But I have to acknowledge that's not really approachable to most people. And I think one of the big questions around Bitcoin has always been, well, how will regular people secure their own Bitcoin? How's that going to be possible? I think the answer is they probably won't. <laughs> a lot of them are going to use things like ETFs or, or some other mechanism.
3: 775 the number to join us. You can call, text, or join us in the chat room at KNOXradio.com slash live. Would you invest in cryptocurrency if you could do so as a traditional investment? If you didn't have to understand any of the techno babble that we're talking about, if you could just go into your investment advisor and say, hey, sign me up for some Bitcoin, and it showed up in your 401k or your retirement plan or your individual investment portfolio, whatever it is, would you do it? I'm interested to hear from you. I'm also interested to hear what your questions are about Bitcoin. Our guest this hour, Chris Fisher, Jupiterbroadcasting.com. So the the Suck Eli, or I'm sorry, not SEC, uh, uh, Security Exchange Commission posted a statement announcing the approval of several Bitcoin ETFs. So there's a number of these ETFs that are available. So it's not a single one. Is it different companies have their own approach as to how they purchase and hold the Bitcoin? and then sell a fund based on how those purchases are being tracked? Is that why we have different ETFs?
4: Yeah, it's 11, which is historic. Um, we've never really seen this kind of anticipation for an asset before. You know, it, it's just never been done. 11 all at once went live. BlackRock seems to be the big winner so far. I uh, Generally with ETFs, the way it works is there's one or two, maybe three winners, and then the others kind of uh, collapse down over time. The general differentiator really kind of comes down to brand and benefits and fees. So so a lot of it's just a price game. Um, Bitwise seems to be the uh, ETF that has the lowest fees. Bitwise is also doing something interesting, Noah, is they have committed to taking 10% of their profits for 10 years and distributing that back to the core Bitcoin development community.
3: Really? So that so okay, that poses an interesting question to me. You said earlier that you believe the best way to do it is just to buy and hold the Bitcoin yourself. And indeed, if you're comparing gold to gold ETF, obviously the you know, the more convenient thing is to just purchase the ETF. But if you actually have the gold, you can put it in a box or put it under your mattress or whatever. It just opens up the flexibility and removes some of the handcuffs and restrictions and regulations around it. In in that same way, does this make it more approachable for people with uh, that that maybe ordinarily wouldn't be able to do that or would you still say you really should take the time to learn and 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 dig into holding real bitcoin
4: i think it depends on what you're looking for um see i like the reason i think it's it's great to actually hold the actual bitcoin is then you're you're with an etf you're really just buying price exposure so if bitcoin goes on a price rally your number go up and you make a profit that's that is definitely a part of owning bitcoin there's the other side of that but you also are You know, going to watch it when it goes down. Uh, Whereas if you actually hold the Bitcoin, then you also, you're participating in the Bitcoin network and you can send your Bitcoin to other places. You can't move Bitcoin out of these ETFs. When you move out of an ETF, it's cash. And so if you want to send your Bitcoin around, if you for some reason ever wanted to do that, you need to hold it. But then there is that one sort of big elephant in the room and this just isn't for everybody, but it does act as a hedge against the US dollar, much like gold does. And so if something were to happen to the US dollar Bitcoin would still remain. And if you no longer wanted to exchange your Bitcoin for cash and you wanted to keep it as Bitcoin, you'd be glad to have it. And now that's a edge case scenario, but perhaps it helps some people sleep at night having that gold, silver and Bitcoin hedge.
3: What do you think the overall health to the Bitcoin, the larger Bitcoin ecosystem is going to be with the increase of or what the addition of the ETF? So, uh Trusting Babbage in the chat room says, can I buy Bitcoin for my 401k? Did I hear that right? Yeah, that's exactly what you're hearing. So, of course, it's going to be dependent on what financial institution your 401k is through and what funds they offer and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, this opens it up to those sorts of programs. So, in a way, it expands access. The downside is, I would think, that it starts to rob people from oh, I should go in and get into Bitcoin. Ah, ah, forget it. I'll just stop in the investment guy, tell him to hook me up with Bitcoin and it'll be good enough. And we don't ever look past that because we don't like thinking because we're lazy and we got other stuff going on. What do you think the overall impact to the larger Bitcoin ecosystem is going to be with this?
4: You know, I I definitely think there's going to be a lot more people. That You know, for me, I opened up my banking app and went into my brokerage account and sure enough, there they were. (laughs) Like all the other, and I was like, wow, this is a moment, Noah. And you said a decade ago to me, I think I still remember it. I think you said it's either going to go to zero or it's going to go to a million. Right. And what this ETF does is it is it is user adoption. I, I For people that know Linux, I equate it to Steam coming to Linux. It's nothing major the first few days, but over the next few years, it brings all of these regular folks to a platform. And then eventually we have the Steam Deck. Now, Valve created this game console called the Steam Deck that uses Linux. But they haven't centralized control of Linux just because they have the Steam Deck. Yeah, they have just created more demand for Linux and more demand for Linux developers. This is the same. This is the same thing. These uh these banks that run these ETFs, they are going to be fantastic for the health of the Bitcoin ecosystem because they're just a large reoccurring customer now. If they had twenty thousand Bitcoin nodes, seriously, if they ran twenty thousand Bitcoin nodes, if they If they somehow bought out a bunch of Bitcoin developers or they hired Bitcoin developers who started submitting to the project, could get patches through somehow, and they convinced node operators like me and end users who are just holding the asset, and we all agreed to make changes to the protocol somehow, then if you could get all those different cohorts who all have their own incentives to align, you could change Bitcoin. Hmm. But that's not what they're doing. And really, nobody could do that. The U.S. government couldn't do that. So they're just going to be buying Bitcoin now on a regular basis. And the more Bitcoin they buy, the scarcer the asset becomes, the less supply there is on the market. So those who already have Bitcoin will benefit because their price will go up because the asset becomes more scarce. Like I said, there's like 19 million of these things mine total right now. And these banks are buying tens of thousands a day each.
3: Do we really want 11 super large institutions to be holding Bitcoin? Uh, text message or chat room says, what, what a great way to siphon Bitcoin away from the general population. So do you think there's a concern that as these large institutions start buying up gobs and gobs of Bitcoin, it's going to be detrimental to those who hold it? Or do you say, no, you know, you know, kind of as you kind of outlined now, nah, it just means that the coins that I do hold will go up in value. And that's the benefit of not being able to, to print more money.
4: Yeah, that's it. See, it's divisible, right? So, one bitcoin has a hundred million satoshis in there. And uh, when somebody like Michael Saylor or BlackRock, uh, they lock up a bunch of the bitcoin. It's not so much that they're taking bitcoin away from you because you can still divide it up into a hundred million satoshis. But those satoshis become worth—they become worth more. It's not something we're familiar with. We're we're used to spending money. And if you want to save these days, you have to invest in something, and that's how you make a savings. We're not familiar anymore with the concept that the currency you hold can go up in value, <laughs> and so it's it's making us like rethink everything. It seems that's like a, such a strange concept, but in actuality, a good hard currency should go up in value over time, and you should be able to increase your purchasing power over time. Like I like to make this analogy. It's pretty. I think when I bought, you know, when I bought this house that I'm in right now, the studio, it would have been hundreds of Bitcoin, <laughs> hundreds of Bitcoin to buy it. Uh Today, it's like. 10 bitcoin and you know we're 10 years later right it's just that bitcoin has a stronger purchasing power and it is still divisible by 100 million so it doesn't really hurt us if they lock it up it actually benefits us i know it's a weird way to think about it but it's because it increases our purchasing power
3: so you compare and contrast that with the u.s dollar did the purchasing power of that go up or down in the last few years i forget all right chris fisher (laughs) my guest from jupiter broadcasting will continue next this is critical thought on knox 1310 KNOX, 1079, 1033 FM. Welcome back. 1023 three four below as we climb our way to a daytime high today of six above. 775-5559, the number to join us, call, text, or visit us online at knoxradio.com slash live. Interactive chat room. Question is, can you explain why it costs so much to move crypto to my crypto wallet and why it costs so much? Is there a way around that? We're talking to Chris Fisher, owner and operator of Jupiter Broadcasting home to the best shows. Linux Open Source and News. Chris, your thoughts on why, why does it cost so much to move crypto around?
4: It can get expensive. And we're used to, in traditional finance, when you move money, it's generally based on a percentage of the amount you're moving. And so if you move 10 bucks, it's like, you know, it's a tiny fee. If you move a million bucks, it's a larger fee. Okay, it makes sense. It scales. In the crypto world and in the blockchain world, it's really based on the amount of data that you're moving. Okay. So if you're moving a lot of large, little, or I'm sorry, if you're moving a lot of individual small transactions, well, that actually ends up using more data. So the fees are higher. And if you just move one large transaction all at once, it's actually a smaller amount of fees. It's, it's a strange way, but it's how it works. And it does get more expensive the busier the blockchain is. And uh, those fees are, are, are what pay the miners bills and all that. Now, how do you get around that? There's technology like Lightning. These are things you can look into and Liquid and other things that make it possible to kind of move outside that fee structure. Depends on the different places and services that have support for that, though.
3: 775 59 You're on the air with Chris Fisher. Good morning.
5: Hey, good morning, Noah. Good morning, Chris. So a question, Chris. So if, a, if a, a just a regular layman investor wanted to get involved in this, what would be some basic steps that you would... Your advice would be, you know, I know you mentioned Fidelity, you mentioned BlackRock. Well, I mean, how could a person get into this in, you know, I mean, kind of comparing it to like your 401k or Roth IRA or, or, you know, investments or gold or silver or whatever?
4: Yeah, I think what I've been telling my friends and family, and I'll tell you this too, is start small. With, uh, you know, with these ETFs, you can do twenty five dollars a day, ten dollars a day, really, and see how it does for you. Um, I, I was experimenting this year with my son at the beginning of twenty twenty three. He put two hundred dollars in. And uh, at the end of twenty twenty four, when we took it out, he had something around five hundred dollars. You know, now oh, wow, is that. Cool. Yeah, it's it's something right for him. That was a really big deal. And it was also a great just a, a like, hey, what if you put your money into this instead of buying toys? And for him, it was a great right, experience right. just learning that, too, and experimenting. I think the, I, I really like the Bitwise ETF the most just because it does have the lowest fees, and those fees compound over time, and they are okay. contributing back to the developers.
5: Yeah, that sounds like, I heard, I heard you say that. That's interesting. That's, that's quite a, I guess that would be a draw, you know, to think that somebody's going to give you back 10% at their, in their first 10 years like that.
4: Yeah, and it's sort of reinvesting in the ecosystem that's making it all possible. So it sort of seems like taking care of your own house. <laughs> How are you going to build an empire right, on top right. of this and then not make sure those people are taken care of? And they think they're really doing it in a smart way too. They're not just giving money to developers directly or they're not creating some giant foundation that controls things. They've identified groups and foundations that exist today that are small, nimble, that have been making contributions at a small scale. And they're going to work with those three existing groups to distribute that money. And They're all really well-liked, well-trusted organizations, so they're doing it in a smart way, too. So I think the ETF, I wouldn't feel bad about starting that way, especially if you're curious about Bitcoin, you want a safe way to keep it. You could always cash out at some point and buy actual Bitcoin if you felt like you wanted to as well.
5: Well, like, yeah, you're an old fart like I am and you just want to try to figure this stuff out a little bit. You've come come up the, the other route with the stocks and the mutual funds and all that stuff, but this sounds really interesting. It'll be kind of it, interesting to start off small, like you said, and just kind of learn and educate yourself about it, and not get too deep but, into it.
4: Yeah, and I think, you know, just a little bit here and there, one, two percent, you know, something like that uh, is something about putting a little bit of skin in the game really helps with the education process, I find.
3: <laughs>
4: Appreciate the call.
3: 775 59 number to join us. Text messenger says, can you speak to any information about filing taxes and the process with crypto? I believe that it detours... Quite, or detours quite a few people.
4: Yeah, there's capital gains when you cash out, say, from an ETF of any kind or a stock or um, an asset like real estate or gold. And so there is a capital gains tax here in the States. You know, it's going to vary across. There's some places like El Salvador, there's no capital gains tax at all. Um, so that is an issue. What is really nice now, though, is we're at a place where the tooling has been around for a while. Uh, and these exchanges, if you go with an exchange or these ETFs, they will generate the tax documents for you now and just say, here's what you need and here's the form you give the IRS and you can review it. Um, It's very straightforward. And later this year in December, businesses will be able to account for dips and rises in Bitcoin's price that they hold on their balance sheet. And that's gonna be massive for accounting practices in small businesses that wanna hold a little bit of Bitcoin. So I actually think the overall story is relatively straightforward when you just look at it as an asset class like gold and real estate and silver. Seven seven
3: five fifty five fifty nine OKNXRadio dot com slash live. Why would you want to allow your Bitcoin to be held by these institutions? And if you cash out, you get fiat currency in return. Does that really make
4: any sense? Well, a lot of people got things they got to buy with cash. You know, (laughs) I don't. I think it. I actually was wondering if there's if it makes sense to hold a little bit of both because you can you can get a little bit of price gains when it's been a good year. You could cash that out. Maybe you're making a down payment on a house or a car, uh, and you just want to use cash. I think it makes sense there. Uh, also, I think, for I, in my personal opinion, for people that are older than me, and I'm in my early 40s, um, I think they're probably looking at a more conservative investment strategy, especially as they get closer to retirement. And they're going to be looking at cash-based costs, and all their other investments are producing cash. So it's all kind of in that ecosystem already. Now, if you're younger than me or my age, uh, I think there may be some reason to hedge a little bit and want to hold the actual Bitcoin because, you know, Who knows what things are going to be like in 2035, 2040? Who knows? Right. And um, so part of my retirement strategy is to hold the actual Bitcoin. You
3: know, the other thing that occurs to me, Chris, is in a traditional like 401k or raw 401k or something like that. You know, when you get to the end, it's the vast majority of what you're taking out is growth. Right. Because you've you've chunked it a little here and there for, you know, 30 years or whatever it was you were granted for. But what you're taking out is the majority of the gains there is is your investment growing. And so the advantage of like the Roth 401k or the the Roth IRA is you're not taxed when it comes back out. So to me, it also seems like there's maybe an inherent tax advantage if I buy Bitcoin through the ETF. Yes, I'm dealing in the end in fiat currency because I'm converting in and out, but I'm taking advantage of the growth of the cryptocurrency ecosystem. And when I take that money back out, I ain't paying taxes on it.
4: I think that's, that's exactly going to be one of the biggest use cases for folks. I think it's an extremely compelling product, especially when we're looking at a situation where maybe the big tech stocks don't perform like they did for the last few years. You know, The Magnific- Magnificent Seven aren't so magnificent right now. And there's going to be people that are looking to pivot to other types of new technology, probably some that are AI and others that are Bitcoin. And you'll note, this is not a cryptocurrency ETF so much as it is a Bitcoin ETF. It's, they're all Bitcoin. None of them are any other cryptocurrency because that's really the one where we have the most regulatory clarity and we have the most clarity from the IRS. The other cryptocurrencies are much more of a gamble.
3: We'll talk about some of those other altcoins as we continue the discussion. We'll head over to the KNOX Newsroom, get the latest from Doug Barrett. Continue next with Chris Fisher. This is Critical Thought, KNOX. <laughs>
6: a digital or cryptocurrency. The big thing you need to know, it's not tied to any banks or governments. It runs on a technology called blockchain. Every time a Bitcoin is bought or sold, it's recorded on the blockchain for everyone to see. So theoretically, it's incorruptible and self-regulating. It also allows you to move Bitcoin anywhere in the world instantly.
3: It is 1037. We're talking with Chris Fisher, owner and founder of Jupiter Broadcasting. Learn more at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Also, the host of The Bitcoin Dad. Your thoughts are entertained at 775-5559. Questions for Chris. Calls, of course, go to the front of the line, but we'll take them via text or via the chat room at knoxradio.com slash live. Text messenger says the Federal Reserve note is in the transition of going away. I guess I'm not familiar with this. Does this mean anything to you? Federal I percent.
4: think maybe they're implying CBDC.
3: Oh, well, let's dig into that a little bit. So governments have looked at cryptocurrency and they've said, well, that looks like a great idea, except that whole decentralization thing. We want control over it. So let's get rid. Let's keep all the stuff about Bitcoin that we like. All of the cryptocurrency things about being able to do things electronically will just it'll be ours. Like it'll be like the digital dollar kind of thing. Is that an accurate layman's explanation as to what a CDBC is?
4: Yeah, it's it's they they saw this cryptocurrency thing and they thought, huh, well, that's that's going to that's going to eat our lunch. We should probably do something about that. And uh, there's trackers online that show you all the different governments and all the Western governments are working on this. And I think you could you could boil the philosophy down to this. Um, The problem that they see now, this is not my opinion, but I think this is their outward kind of projected opinion. The problem isn't so much how they've managed the economy. That's not, you know, really why we have horrible inflation and all. The problem is that they didn't have enough management. They couldn't pull enough levers. And if they could manage this even harder, then they could really make this economy hum. (laughs) And uh, that's the idea with the CBDC is you could sort of through the system incentivize people how and where they spend it. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, if you've ever tried like one of these privacy debit cards from like MasterCard, Uh you you can, you can hardly spend it anywhere. Right. You you can, there's so many areas where there won't, you can't use it for any kind of subscriptions. You can't use it for any kind of gift card thing. All these, all these rules. That's what a CBDC will be like only applied at the higher level. And you're going to, and the best, Oh, here's the other best thing I love about a CBDC is in most implementations, there's going to be two, there's going to be the good CBDC that the banks trade amongst themselves. Uh And then there's going to be the retail CBDC. That's the crappy one that like all these other middlemen are going to manage. And the entire thing is designed to give all these middlemen banks some job to do because the CBDC essentially would eliminate all commercial banking because they don't need they're not needed anymore. Mm. So the retail CBDC has come up with ways to intentionally insert middlemen into the process. So that way the status quo can continue and we don't have to see all these banks go away.
3: So, what problem are these CD- CDBCs solving that Bitcoin, in and of itself, in its organic form, doesn't solve?
4: I, you know, I don't, I mean, the, well, government control and management and centralized management. And I don't, I don't mean to take that lightly. Like when you are a superpower, you really need to have control over your currency. It's part of being a big, powerful nation. And, um, you see the nations in the developing countries that don't have control over their own currency, and they're yanked around by the bigger currencies they're pegged to. It's, it's not easy. And so I think, you know, in order to have to, to sustain war and to be able to build huge, giant battleships and missiles at the same time, while you also have an Air Force program and a space program and a submarine program, and you also <laughs> want to build roads, you have to be able to control your own currency. Because if you didn't, you would have to be fiscally responsible for all of that. And you would have to have ways of actually paying for that at the time. And you would have to tax the people to get that money, which means you would have to have their approval. And so we can't have that because that would slow (laughs) things down. And there's just issues they have to deal with. Do you. does So if I'm hearing you right, but reading between the
3: lines, this would potentially give governments control over what people could spend money on and don't spend money on. So, for example, if we just decided just decided that, you know, buying oil, that's a really terrible thing because it's terrible for the environment. Maybe we could just work out a deal to say, hey, you can't spend your digital currency on gas. You can buy an EV, you can buy electricity as long as it's produced in an economically, environmentally responsible way. But we don't want you spending money over here. Could it be used as a control mechanism to help people decide to make better choices?
4: I think it absolutely could be used overtly like that. I think that's, you know, that's a pretty hostile move. And you wouldn't want to do that early on because that would scare people away from using it. So I think initially what you do is probably take advantage of the perfect monitoring. So say a crime happened and you wanted to go investigate somebody, you could just pull up you know their CBDC record and look at everything they've bought, where they spent their money and go ask them about it. You don't have to go get a warrant. You don't have to do any of that stuff. That's much more straightforward to get surveillance. That's the initial thing is surveillance. And of course, it'll be sold to us as ease of use. Hey, you can zap that money anywhere. It's really easy to just move it around. It's no problem. Super convenient. And it's, of course, completely trackable. And no, no longer are these records held by maybe one bank over here and maybe a credit union over there. Now it's centralized. And um, that, I think, will be the biggest unseen disadvantage to the populace. They won't realize is happening because that'll be happening under the you know under the scenes. I think as time goes on and it becomes normalized and we don't have any other form of currency like cash and things like that, then you'll start seeing the more overt, like, we'll turn this industry off. You know, that's kind of a sin industry. You're not really supposed to be doing that. So our legislator, our legislation is going to pass a law that says uh, your money doesn't work at that website anymore. 775-55-59,
3: 7755559 your questions entertain the call or text or visit us online at slash live text messenger says other than bitcoin what does chris believe is a valuable crypto coin for the future i'm going to add on to that chris and say what things are not like what are some of the traps you see people falling in they, i mean you must get people to come up to you like chris i got i got crypto here's what i got and then you look at it and you say you don't understand the first thing of what you're doing what are some of the pitfalls you've seen and what are some of the alternative coins that you really like
4: It's a really unsatisfying answer because there really is no second best to Bitcoin for one crucial reason. Everything after Bitcoin was created by a person or a team, and they're still around, and they're making money on this thing. Um, And so that kind of makes it a security potentially. Satoshi Nakamoto created Bitcoin, and he, he or they were really, really smart about how they did this. They didn't just start Bitcoin up and say, OK, well, I get 100 Bitcoin and my buddies get 100 Bitcoin and now we have 100 Bitcoin. We'll release it on the world. Even Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin, had to mine their own Bitcoin. Now, it was easy at the time, but they had to mine their own Bitcoin. Everybody who's participated early on in Bitcoin, they had to mine it. They weren't preceded. They weren't given coins. Everything after Bitcoin, well, kind of does it the other way. A lot of times there's groups around it, like, say, Ethereum. There are several organizations around it, plus a lot of VCs. Ironically, JP Morgan is one of the large investors in Consensus, which is one of the organizations behind Ethereum. So unfortunately, there's really nothing that compares. Um, I think Ethereum may have an ETF one day. It'll probably have some price appreciation. But fundamentally, it's it's complex software that I don't really see a use case for because it's not a real appropriate store of value. It doesn't have scarcity. You can't even audit how many Ethereum exist today. And even the creator Vitalik uh, himself says that eh, we're already running into pretty big scaling issues that we didn't expect with proof of stake. And then fundamentally, Bitcoin's mining technology, while it seems to be what get it, gets it the most critical uh, analysis Ultimately, when we're down the road, is going to be the most beneficial thing about it. It's energy use and the mining, while it doesn't seem likely and reasonable today, is actually the one of the best things about Bitcoin. Ethereum and the other cryptocurrencies, most of them, they can't say that.
3: Text Messenger says at 775 exactly what this guy is saying. CDBC has been announced and is in progress of replacing the digital dollar. A CDBC will continue to allow privately owned banks to collect interest. On all debts created by the participating people around the world. Bitcoin does not allow a constant dilution of money supply and is paying interest to the privately owned bank. Another text messenger says, Noah, could you tell us more about where we can f- learn more about Chris and his podcast and such? So jupiterbroadcasting.com, the Bitcoin debt, anything else that you want to make people aware of as to how they can learn more about the work that you're doing in the open source community and with cryptocurrency?
4: No, I'd say go check out the Bitcoin dad pod for this topic. Um, it's it's really practical analysis. It's It gets high level, but it also gets into the CBDC analysis and the macro. Here's a funny thing, Noah. I think, you know, today, oh, we're, oh cryptocurrency, should we, could we, are they gonna, maybe? That conversation is null once the CBDC is out because the CBDC is a cryptocurrency. Mm. Everyone is going to become a cryptocurrency user one day. <laughs> so it's just going to be which cryptocurrencies do you want to use? You better pick the right one. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people at this point are betting on bitcoin is being the best of the class it doesn't mean we're not going to be forced to use cbdc's to pay our taxes and pay our bills and you know when we cash out of bitcoin maybe one day we'll be getting this digital dollar now unfortunately but i don't think i want i want to hold very much of that i think i'd rather hold more bitcoin and then when i need access to the cbdc i'll buy it as i need to pay for what i need inside that system
3: 775 you're on knox with chris fisher good morning yes good morning here's my take on this
6: whole thing I think it's mostly drug dealers and criminals They're using Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It's scammers like that guy in California. People lost billions of dollars, and there's no way to get it back. So how do you explain that?
4: I'll hang up and listen.: I think it's a very valid concern because that's been one of the primary focuses that you get in the tech media. And you probably, like I recall, Everybody used to say cell phones were just for drug dealers. Um, That used to be a real common (laughs) saying about pagers as well. So that's a real common um, reaction to new technology. But one of the fundamental differences about Bitcoin than any other kind of asset you could invest in in the past, every transaction to a fault is transparent and in the open. And so there are organizations that do analysis of this. And I think last year, based on the best analysis possible, the overall exchanges, like all out of all of the transactions on the Bitcoin network, about 0.2% were likely for illicit activity. Because if you, if you realize that every transaction is transparent, anybody, anybody can go to a website and look up Blockchain Explorer, and anybody in the world can view all of the transactions. So you can imagine governments are looking at this. Law agencies are looking at this. Companies like Chinalysis are looking at this for that's all they do is look at these transactions and they can see every single transaction. So if you were a criminal trying to launder lots of money or trying to move some sort of drug empire around, would you do it on the world's most transparent currency that literally anyone could monitor and people are actively monitoring 24 seven? Or would you use something like cash, which nobody could track? You'd use cash. 775-55-59.
3: 775-55-59. So this question I know you've put a lot of thought into and you and I have had discussions about this off the air. Text messenger says, in a world where we're being told that our energy capabilities and water resources are threatened, how can excessive energy and water involved in things like crypto mining be rationalized and what impacts will it have on our natural resources?
4: Fantastic question. I'm glad somebody asked this one. Because I think this is going to be an area where Bitcoin is going to change the world. Uh, you can go online and you can look up Transition to renewable energy industries. And you'll find that Bitcoin is making one of the quickest, largest transitions to renewable energy out there out of any large industry. A couple of summers ago, China banned all mining. And a lot of that, maybe the majority of that mining power came to the United States. But at that point, it was corporations that were running these mining operations that said, you know, we can't, we can't just go out there and burn a bunch of coal. We gotta, we gotta have a public image. We gotta make this look good. They realized they had an environmental responsibility and a public image to maintain. And so they did it on renewables. Another area in the Biden administration just just signed an executive order to force oil companies to stop off flaring methane gas. Well, guess what? A ginormous industry for Bitcoin in the last two years is putting a cap on all of these methane off gas oil pipes, putting a cap on the end of those things and running a generator that does a 99 percent efficient conversion from methane to electricity. And then they mine Bitcoin out there in the field with an LTE connection, a cellular connection. So in in the back of a crate
3: from a truck. So you're telling me instead of attaching a burner to the top of these things, lighting a fire and just lighting a flame in the middle of a field and burning it up into the air, we're attaching special equipment and using that otherwise wasted gas, which, oh, by the way, is still doing all the damage to the ozone and the noxious gases, all the things. All of that, we're using that to mine Bitcoin, or at least that's a possibility.
4: Oh it's it's not just a possibility. It's a win-win and it's growing like crazy. And Shell and Chevron, they're doing it themselves now directly in some in some installations or in other installations there's now businesses where this is what they do. They work with the gas company or the oil company and they set up the infrastructure and then they revenue share the profits. And it's it's huge. It's blown up. Also in Texas, you're seeing the investment in more Maintain and more power in order to, like maintaining power so that way when there's a cold or a heat wave mm-hmm. the demand is there and what's happening there is you might recall a couple of years ago texas had these horrible blackouts just really bad and people were freezing and would dry during a cold snap cold for them obviously not cold for you guys and they really really blew it they haven't had that problem for three years now what changed is bitcoin mining came in and said we will buy x amount of power from you we will guarantee that power that we will be a user and a consumer of that power the moment you need that power back we switch off no other data center can do this aws can't do that netflix can't do that you can't turn data centers off but bitcoin can because it's fully decentralized so they turn the power off they give it back to the power company and now the grid can run everybody's air conditioners or electric heaters or charge their evs whatever it is they're struggling to do and then when that peak demand is back the Bitcoin miners fire right back up. This has been happening uh, just this last storm just a couple of weeks ago. It's really interesting because you can see they call it, look up Bitcoin mining curtailing. That's what it's called, Bitcoin mining curtailing. And you'll see that they have these agreements where they, they buy power ahead of time and they make a little feedback when they have to shut down. The power companies love it because they can invest in more natural gas or solar or whatever they got to invest in. to have that capacity and they have a guaranteed buyer of last resort. And so that is. In an unbelievable turn of events, creating a profitable incentive to invest in renewable energy and in natural gas and in nuclear across the board. And they're capturing methane off gassing. I mean, you just wouldn't have expected to go this way. But the lesson we learn over and over again is when everybody plays to their incentives in this ecosystem, it kind of tends to work out.
3: Imagine that. You took a trip to El Salvador. El Salvador has a unique approach to Bitcoin. Tell me about the unique approach that El Salvador is taking and what impact is it having to its citizens?
4: There could be a, a somewhat of a, a model here. Uh, El Salvador had two choices. They could put their boot down on this initiative that was started on a beach, or they could embrace it. And that's what they did. So there was this beach called El Zante, and now it's known as Bitcoin Beach. And I went there uh, in... November. It's a small, small little town that now has roads for the first time and power and they're building and it's it's really it's amazing like it's a construction zone and they are the epicenter of the Bitcoin initiative in El Salvador. They started just taking Bitcoin there on their own. The government became aware of it because they started getting all this tourism and instead of stomping on it, they said, "Well, how could we scale this up at a nation level?" And so now there's two currencies, dollar and sats. And you can spend either one. Wow.
3: And so as you watched, as you walked around El Salvador and experienced it, how are the citizens reacting? Do they feel like Bitcoin is taking over their community and destroying it? Or do they see an explosion of jobs and opportunity?
4: It's definitely a mix because they have such deep, and I would say justified skepticism of any government initiative. And now that it's been adopted at the government level, they see this as a government initiative. Some of them, you know, people Mm -hmm. that have been around for a while and seen a few things. Uh, But there's also the folks that um, are banking and have savings now. Um, This is crazy, Noah. Only 11 percent of El Salvadorans have a bank account.
3: Is that because they don't have access to a bank? Like, is it they choose not to have a bank or is it like, oh, I could go to a bank, but I would have to, you know, walk or, you know, whatever, an hour and a half to get to the nearest town that has a bank for me to open a bank account?
4: Yeah, that is, it's essentially access. And then it's also poverty. Um, $700 is the average salary. So if you're making 500 bucks, you're doing okay. You're making a thousand bucks, you're doing really well. Um, And then their cost of living is about $700 a month. So everything that comes in goes out. And they had to, and if you don't have a bank account, you got to go to the office to pay and you have to pay in cash. And so I was speaking to an Uber driver who would who would have to go drive himself to all these places to do each transaction? And now he pays it all in Bitcoin, and uh, he's got twenty thousand dollars in savings in Bitcoin. He never had a savings. He didn't. You know, he never really even had a bank account. And so, yeah. so for him, it's been life changing. So some folks are skeptical, but other folks, I think it's been really. Uh, I think it's been a big life changing improvement for them. And undeniably, it's been a huge boon for uh, their economy. Their economy is doing well, and for tourism, tourism is just up like crazy, and they're investing like nuts. Text messenger
3: says at 775-55-59, how many of the Bitcoin have been mined already and how many are left to be mined? I'm going to tack on to that. Can you talk about some of the lost coins or coins that we will never see in actuality because of reasons?
4: Yeah, so if you figure there's 19, min, 19 million mined so far, I think it's easy to say Two to five million of those have been lost already. About a million of those are from the early days from Satoshi and folks, and those are gone. You know, a couple hundred of those are probably mine, <laughs> gone forever. <laughs> um, so it's it's a big number. Um, and in April, Noah, the issuance of Bitcoin drops in half. It's a it's an event called the Havening, and it happens every four years. It's part of the issuance schedule. So there isn't like a line of code in Bitcoin that says number is twenty one that somebody could go in there and change one day and say, well, now number is 41. Um, it is a combination of the issuance of Bitcoin on and mining. And mining gets harder and harder the more people that are mining to maintain that issuance schedule. And then every four years, the amount of Bitcoin gets cut in half. So we're going down from six to three Bitcoin for the miners when they discover a block. That increases scarcity as well. At the same time, you have these ETF buyers coming along, buying up lots of Bitcoin. And you just have general awareness of something, you know, I think with this ETF, it's sort of maybe become a little more credible. Another category, another cohort of potential investor recognizes it now. All that's coming together.
3: The Bitcoin Dad Pod, you can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts or Bitcoin bitcoindadpod.fireside.fm. Your last episode, 119, you guys dig into this in in more detail, the happening and how often it happens and kind of the specifics around. So people want more, invite you to go there. Question from a text messenger is, uh, M-A-N-T, I don't know what that means. Crypto miner built facilities at base three, at Georgia's dam in China. Makes sense, but the U.S., even hydro is being threatened By the green freaks. I think what they're they're trying to say there is that are we concerned about energy and are we concerned about being able to mine Bitcoin in an energy efficient world? I think you kind of touched on that. Your answer would be Bitcoin actually supports that effort. It doesn't detract from it.
4: Yeah, and I think you will have areas where there is more pressure, but there's going to be market dynamics there as well that will probably come into play. I think energy is a big question in general, not just around Bitcoin, but all kinds of things.
3: Chris Fisher, owner and founder of Jupiter Broadcasting. Learn more at jupiterbroadcasting.com, home to the best shows Linux, open source, security, privacy, community, development, and news. And the Bitcoin Dad, bitcoindadpod.fireside.fm. Chris, thanks for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. We'll get you back on the program soon. Thanks, Noah. All right. News out of the ABC Newsroom, followed by KNOX News. This is Critical Thought on KNOX. 1410 KNOX 1079, 103.3 FM. Good morning. It is 1107.2 below. Our daytime high today, 6 above. In the studio with me, it is Mike Friedolf, a candidate for Ward 5. Mike, welcome in.
2: Ah, Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.
3: I appreciate you making the time, sir. So I, I, I want to start here. You're a candidate for Ward 5 for the City Council. Where are you from? Why Grand Forks? My question to you is, of all the places that you could go become involved in city government, why Grand Forks?
2: Yes. Super crazy path. Um, so originally from LA, moved to San Diego for college. Uh, I've been with Northrop Grumman, my, uh, my current corporation, for 20 years. And about five years ago in 2019, they called me up and said, hey, we got this great opportunity in Grand Forks. And uh, we went, where? And, uh, you know, kind of had to Google, uh, you know, Google it and told the wife, hey, guess what? We're moving to Grand Forks. And so we got this awesome opportunity up here to, to do some, uh, some work for Northrop Grumman and in the UAS community. What month did you move to Grand Forks? So I think it was, uh, it was May. So <laughs> believe it or not, I think it, was, it snowed when I showed up. So yeah, it was still May. So
3: what did your wife think when you got into like December, January, February?
2: Um, you know, so we were in that honeymoon period of uh, snow. I think she was out there making snow angels and uh, loving it. And then, you know, you know, six months of it, you're like, yeah, I'm getting a little bit tired of this one. But uh, yeah, we, we enjoy it. We enjoy the seasons. We never really had seasons back there in uh, California.
3: Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine number to join us. Call, text, email, or visit us online on the chat room kowxradio slash live. So, uh, so you you come here for work, and you're you're doing UAS work. Mm-hmm. Why city council? Why? What makes you look over and say, you know what? I could do that. I want to do that.
2: So, if you would have asked me five years ago if I would have seen myself in this position, I would have been like, not even consider it. But now, you know, with the uh, the support I've had in the city, uh, from the local leadership, from just, uh, the CODEL, from the, you know, from the Brandon to, uh, some of the other, uh, civic leaders, they, they said, this is something you, you should, you should go do. And, and I researched it and I looked at it and said, you know, I became such a part of the fabric of this community that I really thought, Hey, this is something I could do and really make, make a difference in the community.
3: 775 your questions for Mike are entertained. Calls go to the front of the line, but we'll take them via text or via the chat room, Knoxradio.com slash live. What are you passionate about? As you look around and you say, I want to get involved in city council. What are some of the things that you're as a person from a from a belief standpoint, from a principle standpoint, you know, what where do you kind of land on the political spectrum? What are your beliefs about the role of city government and what you would do there?
2: So I definitely fall on the conservative side. Um, You know, that is truly what I believe. But when I look on, you know, around in the Grand Forks community, I I think the quality of life things that we need in the community are are, are right in our face. Mm -hmm. And some of those things in order to, and I've mentioned this before, to to have people come here, stay here, raise families here and, you know, continue their legacy here. Mm -hmm. um, We need some of those key features in the community, whether it's entertainment, Food, um, but along with that comes, you know, responsible fiscal uh, responsibility, so we can fund those fund those items.
3: 59 mm-hmm. text messenger says, "Does he consider himself more progressive or conservative?" You, I think, you would say oh, yeah, conservative. Definitely conservative. That's good. Yeah, you'll fit. You'll fit in right here. Uh, <laughs> chat room says, "Who is this guy?" So we're speaking with Mike Friedolf. He's running for Ward Five. In Grand Fork City Council. Your questions are entertained at 775 59 Call, text, or visit us online at knoxradio.com slash live for the chat room. As you look into City Council as it exists today, what do you see that you don't like? That you look over and you say, man, I could do that better.
2: You know, I think making decisions on a on a consistent basis, not being pressured into one side or another, but basically on my 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 character i think some of the things that i see in this town um, you know we've built a great community and we can continue the the greatness of this community but we need people coming together to make a a solid decision on items
3: 7755559 number 2 join us so asking ward 5 is where ward 5 is in grand force this is a city council position that's what you're running for Correct. and so, your questions are entertained. We would love to to get them. Text messenger says, everybody keeps asking, where is Ward 5? Maybe, where in the city is Ward so 5? So, it's pretty much
2: the south end of town, from uh, the Shady Ridge area included, uh, down Belmont, all the way up to Washington. It's fairly large. There's about 8,000 plus people in that ward.
3: Mm. 775-55-59, you're on KNOX. Good morning. My on? You are.
6: Hey Mike, welcome to Grand Forks. And,
0: uh, you know, if you're an outdoorsman and you love to hunt, you're going to like it up here. I can show you all the good hunting places. And, uh, I, <clears throat> I was curious if you're
6: uh in these cold days, if you're doing little California dreaming yet, you know, I have to <laughs> uh,
2: you know, I people still look at me when I, you know, I say, I love it here and I'm, 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 you know, I'm doing this run. And that keeps me here for at least another four years. Right. But, uh, you know, I don't. I haven't looked back. I, I I like. I'll say I like the cold because I run warm, and so does my wife and my kids. Uh, but yeah, I, I've I've become a part of it. I've gone fishing trips. I haven't done the ice fishing and the hunting yet, but uh, just just due to time. But you know, it's uh, it's something different. Do I like the warm weather? That's what an airplane's for. So we, <laughs> you know, we we go on vacation with the family and and uh, enjoy coming back home to Grand Forks.
3: 775-5559 number to join us, call text or visit us online at knoxradio.com slash live. Tell me a little bit about your background. What is it in your, what, what has been your life experience that leads you to say, you know what? I look over and I can manage this or I can do that. And so the city that should be a walk in the park. I have a pretty good idea what I would do and how I would get it done.
2: Yeah. Not, I wouldn't use the word walk in the park though. Definitely okay. not. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing about this is easy, right? But, uh, So I started off as kind of a tech geek uh, way back when, Uh, 20 years ago, I I joined uh, Northrop Grumman. And like I said, I got the opportunity to come out here. And so I think, you know, we, I use a lot of my life experiences based on leadership. I've had some incredible leaders in my life, uh, good mentors that have helped me. And I think that's really shaped who I am as a person. And I want to continue that legacy with uh, the people I live in this community with. 775-55-59,
3: 775-55-59, have you had an opportunity to serve in a position of leadership in your role? And if so, what are some of the lessons that have come away that you think are applicable to, to what would be the role at city government?
2: So um, I currently am on EDC. I'm on the Chamber of Commerce Exec Board here. Um, and, and I wanted to continue to do more. I think that, that, you know, it's kind of part of it. But my job now, I am site director out at Northrop Grumman, and, and I use, you know, doing that, it may be a smaller microcosm, but I, I do I lead people, I help people make decisions, and sometimes those decisions are not always easy. And just like just like city government,
3: seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on the air with Mike Friedolf. Good morning.
6: Hi, Mike, um, Ward Five member here. Um, so, uh, just to clarify, I saw just a brief briefing um, when you announced your campaign. Um, are you currently a, a committee member? Uh, as part of the EDC I am okay so being is that the EDC is a quasi government organization which receives public funding and essentially is able to override some of the red tape that we require of government to complete before we we actually make decisions how does one justify working for an organization that Americans generally have a duty to prevent while simultaneously running for a leadership position? I and mean, I'll
2: hang up and listen. Appreciate the call. Yeah, that was, that's a great question. So, you know, you know, I make decisions based on data, and that's kind of the way my life has been. And so, you know, working with EDC, working with city council, um, I don't see those two conflicting with each other. I think they, they actually work really well together. Um, I think a lot of those decisions need to be education-based, just like anything else, you know, if you don't have all the data and all the information, I'll be the first to admit that I don't know everything about everything, right? And mm. so I'm more than willing to go out and, and dig deeper and get the details on this, on, on anything that I need to learn.
3: 775 59 text messenger says, is he a God-fearing man? Do you have a walk with Christ?
2: I do. So I was born and I was born and raised Catholic Okay, um, in, in, in California. Um, but I am. I I, I I truly, I don't have a church here in in. Grand Forks, but I am, my family. I we are very faithful, based on the fact also that we've been blessed by many of our, our life gifts and our children and family.
3: Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine text messenger says this, sir. There are going to be voters and residents who will have issues of concern with what they perceive as a lack of pushback on the foo fang issue, and may see what appear to be strong ties to, to city leadership as a concern. What can you say, or is there anything that you can definitively say? That will help, uh, uh, well. That will help put to rest those concerns. I'm going to sum the rest of that up that way.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, Fu Fang was done you know, prior to my my hopping on board here, but mm. there was a lot of data that came out over time, um, and I think the city acted as as fast as quickly as possible. You know, I'm a, I'm on the you know working for a, a defense contractor. We 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 saw some of the 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 negativity that was coming out of that and. Mm-hmm. We, we waited for the data, right? There was some reports based on Fufang that really came to light that showed uh, this is, was not a good decision for us. And so I think, you know, I, I, I stand behind those decisions. And I, and I believe that, you know, the city acted as quick as possible as they could.
3: 775 or com slash live in the chat room. Uh, fire six, six, seven, five says, do you want to see more business growth in Grand Forks and how would you have handled the Fang tobacco?
2: So two separate questions, but, uh, yeah, so living on the South end, uh, there is so many vacant buildings down there and, uh, they keep expanding, you know, the whole entire South end there's homes going up constantly, which just shows our growth is needed down there. And so, you know, besides having maybe, you know, one or two good restaurants, a couple of, you know, fast food places, I, I I would I'm that is one of my quality of life targets is to to make sure we can grow the south end and, and continue to make sure again that people want to stay here and are encouraged to uh, be a part of this community. Foo Fang thing I think it was handled as best as possible, right? I, they followed the process. Yep, there was a process that 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 the city followed and it worked. Yep.
3: number to join us. You can call, text, or visit us online at canoxradio.com slash live our guest Mike Friedolf. Running for Ward 5, your questions still entertained. When we come back, this is Critical Thought on KNOX. 7-9-1033-FM. Good morning. It is 1123, one below. We're climbing our way to a daytime high of six above. In the studio with me, it is Mike Friedolf, candidate for Ward 5. Your questions entertained at 775 55 59. You're on the air with Mike. Good morning.
6: Yeah, good morning. I just wanted to uh, say that one of the good things about the Air Force Base, even though it's uh, low Manning at this particular time, is uh, it brings folks like that. Uh, Mike into the area with his family, and they decide, uh, you know, this is a lot better than living in uh, 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 high-crime areas and all those other things that happen in other places. Weather's not exactly ideal, but that can be cured by an airplane, you know, in the wintertime for a couple of weeks. And uh, uh, So welcome aboard.
2: Thank you very much. It's a, it's an honor to be here.
3: Seven seven You're on KNOX with Mike Friedhoff. Good morning.
6: Yes, I have only one word. Carpetbagger. What? We had another carpetbagger from California a what few do you, years ago. What are you talking? Hold on. That got hold on, on, on the on. city
3: hold, Hey! What do you mean when you say carpetbagger? We finally ran him out of the town. All account. right, thanks for the call. 775 59 number to join us, call, text, or email. Visit us online, knoxradio.com slash live. Text Messenger says, what is his thoughts on special elections, like the one we just had to continue the city sales tax? So I'll give you a little background here. What people are, I think, have a growing uh, lack of patience for, for lack of a better mm-hmm. way to say this, instead of having elections to make decisions in November where people expect them attached to a presidential election or otherwise, we have quote-unquote special elections, because you see, Mike, that's where the educated voters come out. Read that to mean this is where you can put a thing out, get the people that you want to come out and vote for it, pass it, and then it goes on. So if you're in that position, you win Ward 5, how would you handle special elections or what would be your influence on city government?
2: So, you know, I am definitely want to be fiscally responsible, right? And in a special election, it, it costs more than zero, and so... I think some of those things, is, well, this was for the, the special tax. I think there's some times that it's, it's appropriate. And I, I think that you got to do it. it, it You've you got to make, and again, an educated decision on, on making those decisions. But, you know, I would like to see it at a full-term election time when they do those uh, special elections. Because it does cost money, and it is something that we need to look at fiscally.
3: Seven seven You're on KNOX with Mike Friedhoff. Good morning.
2: Yeah, is that me,
0: Noah? That's you, sir. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I'm uh, in the area uh, that uh, you're looking to have influence and maybe a council member of. And one of the things that I guess I've seen, I've lived in Grand Forks for about 40 years, is there's been this concentration of effort and monies and enthusiasm for the downtown area and quite frankly I'm pleasantly surprised of what they have done with downtown Grand Forks area I think it's been fairly remarkable but that's been done at the cost of the south end Is that the South End has been left almost exclusively to private enterprise instead of having the city uh, uh, be involved with doing just more in the South End. Is there a question there? Well, how how would he respond to... Uh, How he sees development of the south end as far as infrastructure.
2: Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm I'm on the on the same page as you. You know, that is one one of the kind of the things of my platform is is quality life on the south end. I think um, building up everything down there. You know, we've got the buildings; they're just empty, and so we need to you know bring good business in. Um, We need to start focusing on that because, as you can see, down the south end. Uh, new communities are being built off 62nd. Uh, you know, off Belmont. New houses are showing up every day. Um, people are going to want to see see stuff. They want to see things that they can take their kids to go eat out at dinner and not have to drive all the way. You know, it's not far, but all the yeah. way downtown.
3: Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. Text messenger says, "What is? What are your thoughts on the proposed children's museum?"
2: That's perfect. I love the children's museum. So being a part of, uh, you know the STEM and in the community about doing science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, we're trying to be, my company and I are trying to be a part of that. So I think it's, it's really important to have that children's museum, a place to go. If you've seen the drawings of it, it's a, you know, it's a phenomenal place that I think will endure the, the, the test of time, especially down on the south end.
3: 775 59 how would you respond to this? Text messenger says, oh, great someone from the military industrial complex on the city council. Hey, maybe we could find somebody from Pfizer and Moderna for ward seven.
2: I respect that. Right. And so, and so I am not a, I am not former military. Um, I work for a commercial company. And so I wouldn't call it necessarily the the military complex. Uh, I am a leader of people and a leader of a technology. And so, uh, do all my beliefs follow all that and not always in that case. And so I think, um, when you get to know me, you'll understand that uh, my best interest is for the people and for this community, not for my industry.
3: Okay, Hard-hitting question here. Has Mike been to a UND game at the Ralph?
2: Oh, my, God. That's, a, that's an easy one. Um, I, anytime I can go, I go. Um, that's one of the best times I have had going to the next Denver game next Friday. <laughs>
3: well done, sir. All right, we'll continue with Mike Friedolf's Next news out of the KNOX Newsroom. This is Critical Thought on KNOX. Radio 1310 KNOX 1079, 103.3 FM. Welcome back. 11.37. Zero out. We're climbing our way to six above. In the studio with me, it is Mike Friedolf, Candidate for Ward 5. Your questions entertained at 775-5559. You're on KNOX. Good morning.
7: Good morning, gentlemen. So, um, I have a a couple of questions. Um, Is your guest... Uh, would he identify himself more as a Democrat or Republican? This is going to come up over and over again. Independent. Oh,
2: I'm. D- I'm definitely on the conservative side. Definitely lean, lean Republican.
7: Okay, um, and then so the uh, uh, recent um, decision to go ahead with uh, spending more money to hopefully earn some more money. Uh, i.e. indoor facilities and stuff like that how, how what are your thoughts on that
2: for which facility are you're referring to the
7: water the, the swimming pool okay. the turf thing
2: yeah so i think you know like I, I, I mentioned the word quality of life stuff a lot and and keeping people here in grand forks which i think is extremely important i think that that facility it is is a necessity I, I think having having opportunities for families to do stuff I think is very important um, And sometimes that stuff takes money, right? It's a it's not it's it's a not a zero spend but sometimes we have to make sure that we evaluate it completely and make sure that those those have some type of ROI involved with them
7: mm, Okay, uh, what about uh, how we currently are? subsidizing businesses coming in where we're giving them you know 85 percent 90 percent tax breaks for the first 10 15 years whatever kind of I mean the deals like that what's your thoughts on those things
2: so again one of those things I think it's I think it's important that you know it's 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 hard to attract businesses to to North Dakota Grand Forks um, if you were just to Google the place and you know find blizzards and you know hurricane you know in that uh, blizzards and floods and all that good stuff. But I think getting businesses here, once you can get them here, they will see the value of this, this uh, state. And a lot of the the benefits come from, uh, you know, getting out of other states, whether it's uh, our neighboring states or West coast states and seeing those tax breaks that we can get. I think it's important.
7: Okay. Okay. And then have you, have you interacted with any of the local uh, business owners that may they, uh, now, I understand you're, you know, ahead of a business, but that's a you know, global thing. Some of the local, local people here who have started a business, not a franchise or something like that, but have actually tried to create business and bring them up from here, uh, somewhat like the person sitting next to you. What are their wants and desires? What would they need?
2: Absolutely. So um, being on the Chamber of Commerce, I I deal with a lot of the small businesses and and, and I'm a direct part of trying to get new business here as well. So I think, uh, you know, what do they want? You know, the tax breaks. They want to know why. What's the value in them being here in Grand Forks over uh, being in Minnesota or being in in some other uh, southern state? I think that we've we've shown that through uh, breaks But we also have uh, exceptional talent here in the state, whether it's uh, engineering or business or um, just the leadership that we bring to some of these companies. You know, it's a little harder to staff some of these places. And I think, you know, labor shortages is uh, a a country problem, not a uh, Grand Forks individual problem. Mm -hmm. But I think we are able to uh, to work through that with the quality of life and quality of business that we have here in Grand Forks. 775-55-59
3: 775-55-59 Text messenger says, "I love the idea of private businesses doing their own development on the south end." Does Mike think that we can take some sort of mentality to downtown rather than having the city subsidize businesses, tax breaks, and ultimately impact the taxpayers?
2: Absolutely. I think you know. I, I don't want to sound because I'm doing Ward Five, so I specifically talk south end of town, right? But my view is holistic. It's not. It's not just south end. I want to see this entire community. I spend time downtown as well, not just in the South End. And um, I've got friends with kids that like to go downtown. And, you know, I think it's one of those things, if we can apply the same mentality down there, uh, we'll we'll continue to grow it.
3: 775-55-59, number to join us. What are his thoughts? Oh, my goodness. So there are some issues that we just can't let go. And Mm -hmm. so you'll answer these questions today. And if you're still in city council 25 years from now, you'll be answering (laughs) these questions then. What are your thoughts on snowmobiles on the Greenway? Oh boy, yeah, this is a hot button issue.
2: Yeah, um, I like the seren- uh, so I like the serenity of the Greenway. I'm just gonna you know this is this is my Mike Friedoff's personal opinion. Yes, um, not everyone respects gas powered vehicles on a nice serenity area, and you know, um the the gracefulness and, and the cleanliness of the of the Greenway, right? Mm. I am not a snowmobile owner, so I you know I'm not super passionate about a snowmobile on the Greenway, but I think that the I think we have to tread lightly. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I would prefer to see it as a you know a, a cross country path or something mm. other than that. I think
3: seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX with Mike Friedhoff. Good morning.
1: Hey guys. Hey, thanks for taking the time to be on the radio this morning, Mike. Um, the, I sent in the question about the idea of, you know, having private uh, private businesses developing, you know, kind of the south end versus uh, giving tax breaks to the downtown area. And it just seems to me that uh, all, it, it is nice to have a nice-looking uh, nice downtown, but as far as businesses go and investing in the businesses down there, that to me looks more like um, – You know, it looks more like we as a city are giving all these tax breaks, whether it's uh, housing down there or businesses expanding to say, oh, we we need to help develop the downtown. When, you know, I would contend that without that money, if somebody can't make a go of a business, why is it down there? It doesn't make sense. Well, that shouldn't be pushed on the taxpayers either. So the idea of having private businesses come in there. And, you know, if it makes sense for them to do business and they make that investment, I'm all for it. But, you know, given more and more and more tax breaks away, um, I think is a losing proposition because it just puts the money uh, on, on the backs of the wrong people there. So the, the comment about, hey, it seems like the South End has been developed completely by private business, that is an idea that I want taken downtown. So if you could, uh, you know, it would be nice to see somebody else. Would maybe champion that sort of uh, idea going forward as well nice to have a voice like that on the City Council.
2: That's great thank you and if, if you reach out to me outside of this I would you know I've got a lot to learn and so I think some of these ideas this is what I need to do is reach out to you know people and see what they want um, I'm pretty easy to find uh, I would like to sit down and have a coffee with you and, and kind of talk through this stuff.
3: 775 59 text messenger says how does he feel about a bridge on 32nd Avenue South?
2: So, yeah, so the bridges have come up a lot, right? So I I know this is a a, a hot one. I'm shocked. (laughs) um, I really don't want to see bridges going through the communities. I think, you know, uh, the Merrifield one we talk about is, you know, pretty solid, right? We we, we can all agree that that one's probably a good one. But once you start pushing traffic through some of the communities uh, and, you know, bunching up a lot of the other roads that are already seem to be a little bit congested, I think we've... We've got to reevaluate what the infrastructure looks like, and we need to look at, um, you know, some type of study to real think if this is a really a good idea or not.
3: 775 59 number two, join us, call, text, or join us in the chat at com slash live. Who is the representative five now? And yeah, okay, and then the snowmobile thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I get, okay. And then, and then he asks, what about drug use kit provided by the health department? So this is, if you haven't been following along the needle exchange thing, mm-hmm. so who's running in word five and what do you think about the needle exchange?
2: So, so Kyle Cavani, I, I hope I pronounced his name right, but uh, um, so got- he's, he's cur- he's currently, uh, in this role. Um, and you know, I met with him probably f- four months ago to kind of get pick his brain and say, I was interested in doing this. Um. So you know, I think I don't know if he's running or not, but you know, time will tell. Needle exchange program, and so I, I know, I don't want to say quite a bit about this because I've been reading up on it, but you know, I, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I saw, uh, you know, kind of the encouragement that it pushes uh, makes it okay. I, so I, I kind of do agree with the the, the 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 vote that just went through. I think it was yesterday, or the day before, to, to overturn that program.
3: 775 59 number to join us. Call, text your questions for Mike Friedolf. You're on KNWX. Good morning. Morning. Hi. Good morning.
6: You know, being three years ago. I'd say, uh, uh, you know, if, if the elite in North Dakota get, uh, get what they want to eliminate property taxes, we won't be having this argument uh, on the radio. Uh, uh, you know, ground Forks isn't growing, according to what you. What you read online and school enrollment's going down. Uh, it's gonna to be tough. T- gonna to be tough to turn that around. Uh, you know, Ross Pro said in nineteen ninety two, "There's a giant sucking sound to uh, to Mexico," and I wonder how many businesses have gone from Grand Forks to Fargo. Uh, you know, I think you talked about it one time that they wouldn't allow poaching a business from one city to another in North Dakota. That's just something I heard uh, a while back. That's just some topics you can talk about. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank Appreciate you. It. You know, I don't necessarily think you need to do it poaching. If we can create the environment where it's welcoming, those businesses are going to want to come here. Hmm. So I think um, I, I agree with your comments. I think it's, a, it's it's one of those things we just, again, we've got to look at it and look at all the details.
3: Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine 55 59 text messages. Says, the way that guy said "carpabagger" Bagger did sound a bit derogatory. Yet... It means a candidate who seeks election in an area without any local ties. So interestingly enough, if that guy had bothered to listen to the first six minutes of the program, he would have heard me ask you, why are you in Grand Forks? Why here?
2: Right. Um, I love this community. And, you know, and I don't plan on leaving. We've, you know, I came from California. And I'll I'll even address this. uh, I don't know what the carpetbagger comment meant. But, Mm. you know, I think it really means, you know, don't bring your California values out here and ruin our good community. Right. And that is exactly what I don't want to do. I I, I don't want to have, I don't want to do any of that stuff. And I can promise you I I have zero uh, values from California that I'm bringing here. Trust me. But, you know, I want to see this grow.
3: 775-55-59. You're on KNOX with Mike Friedolf. Good morning. That's you. Hi, is this me? That's you. Wow,
6: fantastic. Hey, Mike, ever done it calling? First, I want to say thank you for running, right? Because it takes takes a lot to step up and, and put your name on the ballot. I understand that. And I appreciate it deeply. Thank you. Two, as a, uh, Cal- <laughs> a California native, I hear you. I feel you. And I, I think there's lots of good things that you bring in. So uh, that's in your corner as well. Thank you. Um, yeah. And then number three. Yeah, for sure. Number three, I just wanted to ask you, can you talk a little bit about city of Grand Forks development as it pertains specifically to Ward five? And I'm talking about the fact that, you know, all the growth and development is, is rocking down at the south end of town. But then when you look at the way the city is, is growing and developing around the downtown area, it kind of a head scratcher in terms of, you know, what's going to happen down at the south end of town to make sure that we have the same kind of quality of life that's, uh, it's going to be endemic to the entire Grand Forest community. Can you talk about that? And I'll take the answer offline.
2: Great. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, South End's doing good, right? But we've got to fill those vacancies. There is brand new buildings down there, brand new, beautiful condominiums uh, filled with lots of, uh, I'll call them kids, right? A lot of college students live down there. A lot of uh, young adults are down there with families, Um I've really got to start working on how we fill those empty uh, vacancies and all those strip malls and buildings mm. down there.
3: 775-5559 or kanoxradio.com slash live. Enter Sandman in the chat room says, is there one major road construction project that Mike would prioritize for the south end of Grand Forks?
2: <sighs> yes. So on 62nd, where they are building those, uh, I forgot the name of the community, but there's a bunch of uh, uh, new homes going in or with around a little lake out there. The infrastructure is just no way it's going to support that. That those that two lane road with, uh, you know, 100, probably a hundred more homes or so. I'm, I'm estimating how many people would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we really need to look at the infrastructure as we as we move forward in building. It's great to build a bunch of homes, but if we can't, you know, build a, uh, the infrastructure support it, we're going to end up like Boise, Idaho here. <laughs>
3: Mike Friedhoff, candidate for Ward Five and a guest this hour on Critical Thought Make. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We appreciate having you. We'll get you back on the program soon.
2: Awesome. Thank you. This has been great. All right.
3: Thanks for listening to Critical Thought. Download the show notes at criticalthought.show. The content from this episode was taken from the live radio show, which airs every weekday from 9 a.m. to noon on News Talk 1310 KNOX, streamed online at knoxradio.com.